0: Coming at you live from Toronto neighborhood Halverston in area, where I hate to break it to you, but ACAB includes bird based vigilantes. It's Cartoon Night in Canada. Hey, what you watching? episode of Cartoon Night in Canada, a nostalgic podcast where we dig through the animated past to find what cartoons made here in Canada are worth remembering. I'm your co-host, Chris Lucy Antonio.
1: And I'm your co-host, Sylvie Kettles.
0: And how do we feel, Sylvie, about Kid Power?
1: Is that a character?
0: It could have been in some, maybe, Vertigo comic book that nobody talks about except for, like, five people who are really invested in it. But no, do you remember this concept of Kid Power that seemed to infect all forms of media for kids in, like, the 90s and 2000s?
1: Oh, like, every every kid needs to be, like, somehow more competent than the adults around them?
0: Yeah. I always hated it, even as a child.
1: Oh, Kid Power is, uh, Jacob Tutu's, uh, spy title. Or his superhero title.
0: You see? Yeah. You see? It's it's everywhere. Yeah. I, I don't like this... I I I hesitate to call it pandering to little kids, but just this idea just this idea that we need to empower children. Not for it. Controversial (laughs) statement.
1: Kids kids should should know that they're weak. Actually. Know
0: your place in society. (laughs) I I, I hate to say it. I don't
1: know. Maybe this
0: is just a thing of me growing older. Yeah, maybe. And losing more and more forms of power. I
1: I, I think I prefer it to, like, our, our modern stance on the superhero genre.
0: What is our modern stance on the superhero genre? Uh,
1: that, that we want it all the time, every day, in every way.
0: Isn't it interesting to go back to, like, the Halcyon days of the mid-2000s and find, like, a superhero property and just, like, Poke and prod at it through the like the hindsight of twenty twenty four, and it's like, this is what it used to be.
1: Yeah, like, in in two thousand and six, you had, uh, I mean the 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 only good superhero movie, the only one that we need was already out. We already had X X two X Men United. We didn't need any more after that. Um, but other than that, it was like. The the only kind of superheroes that we really thought about were those old animated, like Batman and Spider Man cartoons from the 60s. Um, or, no, not the. It was either like the Spider Man cartoon or TV's Adam West, Batman, being specifically referenced in Fairly Odd Parents as Catman. Like, we, we really. As well as Johnny Bravo. Yeah, like, we really only thought of superheroes. As this kind of campy thing from the '60s or '70s, that we were kind of over.
0: Yeah, but even in that respect, we had Batman: The Animated Series. We had the Tim Burton Batman mm-hmm. movies. Like we had the superhero Superman films from like uh, Richard Donner in the '70s. Like we had enough there where it walked a line between uh, silly acknowledgements of these being comic book movies for kids Mm -hmm. and also treating them with a degree of maturity and respect like to adapt them to live action but or in animated form and moving across that i think the real problem here is at the time you would get a superhero style thing like every three to four years not seven a year (laughs) yeah oversaturation is the problem
1: yeah like you had the the difference between x2 x-men united or angley's hulk the year after
0: and history has been very kind to both of those films as opposed to say i don't know shang chi and the rings of power or whatever that thing is called uh where history has not been kind to it because that movie released what two years ago and people don't even remember it i can't remember the fucking name of it (laughs)
1: God, I don't know. They're all this. It's the same movie over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, but at a time when you could have superhero, quote unquote, superhero media and not have it be tied to these massive brands of DC and Marvel, and just have them exist on television and be playing with the same tropes and ideas and concepts but completely removed from that conglomerate i will refreshing
1: i i also i just want to take this a second to like hop up on my pedestal and this is my soapbox of like hey dc here's my open letter to you i know how to save your your film industry lean into the goofy
0: they're trying. They they put James Gunn in they're part of ev- in charge of everything. They're not trying hard enough
1: because where is my Dextar movie?
0: N- never, never happening.
1: Like that. See, but that's the problem. Is like they're leaning into like oh we can make the we can make our superhero movies funny, but they're not leaning into like the inherent silliness that exists when you've been making a comic book franchise for decades, which is. Sometimes you want to just see what happens if you put a ring of power on a vengeful cat. And, like, that's inherently silly.
0: And interesting. I've watched that movie. Right?
1: I would much prefer a Deckstar, uh film in the Green Lantern universe over any number of Green Lantern movies.
0: You do. You do bring up a fun point there, is that comic books because they've been running for so long and these storylines of these characters have been going for decades upon decades mm-hmm. they inevitably wade into some really stupid territory like some silly bonkers ideas and storylines and sometimes it's good to embrace that stuff instead of cutting it around for the sake of quote unquote realism yeah. like do you re- do you remember um the bad one of the original X-Men trilogy the last stand yeah Part of that, it's doing the Phoenix Saga, and what they never mention in that movie is that the Phoenix Saga involves the X-Men going on space adventures and fighting space pirates right? called the Starjammers.
1: Like, that's where uh, Nightcrawler's whole arc of becoming a swashbuckler comes from, I'm 90% sure.
0: Be sillier with yeah. it. Like, uh, Comic books, like don't want to praise these movies too much anymore because of the... Unfortunate realities of their production, but the Spider-Volt first films are very silly. Yeah, they get it,
1: and that's part of why they are stronger than literally anything Marvel could ever produce.
0: You can have Spider-Ham, Peter Porker as a main character, yeah. and still have the integrity of that film, like solidly put together.
1: Yeah, because they it doesn't have break they have strong emotional cores. And, like, also because life is inherently a little funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Speaking of something that inherently embraces the silliness of comic books...
1: Captain Flamingo! Powerful! Brown! Pink! It's Captain Flamingo! Tired of being a kid in a world built for grown-ups, Milo Powell decided to become a Superhero! She's a shining peak of justice for kids everywhere!
0: So, as we said on this week's episode, we are taking a look at one of the kernels of our present era of superhero fatigue. uh, Back when it wasn't so much saturated and we could tolerate another show based on a superhero, it's Captain Flamingo, created by Suzanne Bolch and John May. Developed by Kevin Gillis, Rob Davies, and Bonita Siegel, better known as the collective of names behind the more famous Atomic Betty, future episode of this podcast. Heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, A Canadian co-production between Toronto-based Breakthrough Entertainment, Toronto-based Heroic Film Company, Vancouver-based Atomic Cartoons, and animated in Flash by the Philippine Animation Studio. This makes Captain Flamingo what?
1: Mostly Canadian.
0: Fucking wrong absolutely wrong no no this is technically filipino
1: (laughs) that's a different podcast chris
0: no but like most of the companies i read out were canadian and then all of the grunt animated animation work was done overseas in the philippines so guess what
1: yeah no the the philippine animation studio absolutely put in the bulk of the effort to making this show
0: It's not the first time we've covered the philippine animation studio they are one of the longest running flash animation studios uh and we will encounter them plenty of times because several canadian studios have collaborated with them on products before
1: i imagine they they also worked on atomic betty eh?
0: yes yes this is pretty much the exact same number of companies like the exact same uh production houses except for heroic film company which was formed to make captain flamingo
1: incredible that explains the name i guess
0: yeah the series aired on ytv between 2007 and december of 2010 lasting 52 episodes or more accurately around 104 segments it's one of those shows 11 minute chunks
1: i mean that was that was just how you made shows
0: it was the style at the time yeah this deliberate throwback to the theatrical shorts of the Looney Tunes and Disney films. It's like, yeah, we're just going to do that again. It's like, th- it started in the 90s with the Cartoon Network renaissance, right? Mm-hmm. That's when it really became popular, and then every show needed, like, 11-minute segments because kids' attention spans just shrunk.
1: And that was, I mean, that was also just the way you could get more fun. You could get more of these fun little title cards.
0: I do, I do miss a good title card. I
1: love a good title card.
0: Shoutouts to last episode, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, yeah. where every episode had a video game-inspired title card. Love that shit.
1: They are, they are always, like, the most, like, creative part of an episode. Is It's just, like, you sat down one of the, uh, one of your illustrators, and you were just, like, just, here's the rough plot of the, of the episode, Make a fun little thing about it.
0: Just do something, anything. We just need something to go here. Anyway, for today's podcast, the random wheel decided for us because there's there are so many epi- episode descriptions on Wikipedia, and I ain't reading all that shit.
1: Yeah, sorry. Uh, we were we were one episode away from like a ti- a episode whose title is based on Lola Rent. <laughs> so like, we were close.
0: We were close to having something fun, but instead, we got Episode 6A and B, Ack, Give My Backpack Back, Jack, and Appointment Terror, alternatively titled Attack of the Girl Next Door in Some Countries for Some Unknown Reason. Written, respectively, by Maya Fried and Steve Wright, both were supervised by Eduardo Soriano, and if we want to do our homework, both episodes' animation were directed by the team of not Brad Neve, Brad Neave, Oscar Perez, Jr., and Tyler Schroeder. Original air date, March twenty eighth, two thousand and six. Sylvie, can I make a prediction right now? Mm. Was this one of your obstacle shows?
1: It must have been.
0: Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I was
1: fully outside of the age demographic for this show by the time it started airing.
0: We are talking age four to eight yeah. as the demographic for this yeah. one.
1: So Yeah, so it started airing in 2006 when I would have been... Too old. 11. So, yeah, like, I I think it was just a thing, you know, from the pre-streaming era, in the days of yore when you couldn't just be like, oh, I don't want to watch this, let me just see what else I will be streaming today. It was like, oh, no, if I want to watch Danny Phantom, I guess I have to sit through this.
0: I don't know how common... Was that your invented term? Like, the obstacle show? Yes. That,
1: was, that's, that's that is me. genius.
0: I Hats off to you for that <laughs> one. That is... Because I understand immediately what you mean whenever you say it. It's yeah. it's perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this was... I don't think I watched it often because, because you know, at that age where it's like, I want to watch Danny Phantom. I think there were times when I would literally rather just turn the TV off and sit in silence for 20 minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh uh ringing endorsement for this show by the way which uh, spoiler alert we both kind of like yeah it's fine it, it's totally fine but yeah at the time 2006 I was also too old for this show and as I've already said this this framing of kid power even at the age of 11 was numbing to me so was not a fan of the show at the time
1: yeah, small small child superhero, is is just such a I don't know. It's a it's a weird subgenre.
0: It it's prominent too because there's a lot of versions of this. So yes. uh, what? So you might be wondering, Captain Flamingo, is this a attempt to adapt John Waters' Pink Flamingos for children? <laughs> no, You're no, right. it's not. You're right. I was not. thinking
1: that. I was thinking that.
0: Yes, uh, Divine had nothing to do with this film. Tragically. None of the Dream None of the Dreamland players had anything to do with this show. Although I think maybe it was two thousand and six and we were just doing this, John Waters could have made a cameo appearance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think if they'd asked him he would have.
0: He absolutely would have.
1: Yeah. Because this show is quite campy and I think he would have enjoyed it.
0: What is this show? What um, is Captain Flamingo?
1: So it's it is about a, a young boy named Milo um Milo milo powell who is a great protagonist name yeah that's a fantastic name um so he recognizes that the children in his uh in his neighborhood don't have uh anyone basically they don't have anyone fighting for them they don't have someone standing up for them uh who takes their problems seriously um, the adults are useless, or in this case, mostly non-existent in this universe.
0: Entirely. Um, like, these all, are, like... these are
1: all a bunch of latchkey kids. Yeah. Um.
0: Yes. No supervision whatsoever.
1: Yeah. So he, he has no real superpowers, but he decides that he is going to become a superhero just to help the little kids in trouble. Um, so he uh, he takes on the persona of Captain Flamingo. Uh, I do remember the pilot of this show and basically the joke of the of the series is that every other animal is taken. There's No, okay. Yeah, there's, okay, pretty good. It, there's just like it, there's like a bit where he and Lisbeth are going through like all the different animals that he could that he could make his superhero persona and she's like, "Nope, nope, taken, taken, taken." taken. And then he's like, I don't know, a flamingo. And she's like, nope, no no, flamingo superheroes. He's like, perfect. There we go. That's that's my identity.
0: Okay, that's a pretty good bit. I The arbitrariness of being Captain Flamingo, yeah. pretty funny. It's I'll, like, I'll give the show that.
1: It's done as, it's there's it's a joke with like a few layers to it. Like, yeah, haha, every other animal is taken by a superhero. But also the, haha, we're putting a boy in pink
0: a yeah, uh, big thing on fairly odd parents too i believe
1: yeah putting putting boy wear pink clothing is like the funniest joke that you could come up with in 2006 i guess
0: in 2006 yeah when uh, colors were gendered yeah thank god we moved past that
1: <laughs> i mean even in this case like he still he has the pink but he, they they still have to make most of his leotard blue so you don't don't worry he's still a boy
0: uh, so, this show begins with some narration
1: mm-hmm.
0: over the opening credits, yeah. so shall I? Let's shall. I will not attempt to bite the style of great narrator Peter Kelligan. Coward! But, uh, I, I can't do it. I, he's way too talented. I, I, I I'm setting myself up for failure by even comparing myself to him. But anyway, powerful, proud, pink it's captain flamingo tired of being a kid in a world built for grown-ups milo powell decided to become a superhero he's a shining beak of justice for kids everywhere with his powerful novelty items and trusty sidekick kit look out for the colorful and clueless captain flamingo
1: <coughs>
0: yeah uh he's got the
1: special tagline that he's helping little kids out in a big way
0: Oh, I did not write that down. Uh, that's just my bias against kid power showing itself. I um, but I did write down in Flamingo Vision where available, which always love a joke like that.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, this this whole series is very clearly building off of um, that that sort of like 50s, early 60s aesthetic that a lot of uh, shows from this era are, are kind of helping themselves to.
0: It's a, it's a throwback to the campiness of comic books. Yeah. Uh, like, comic book media, comic book adaptation, when they could be knowingly silly and enjoy that aspect. Like, I love the detail that, one, this Milo Powell, his entire perspective of the world has been warped by comic books. Like, you could make an argument that this show is actually a cautionary tale to bring back, like, the comic code authority. Because <laughs> th- this this boy views the entire world through the lens of his of his favorite funny books and that could cause some serious problems down the line mm-hmm. but in addition to comic books rotting your mind i like that he is a batman style superhero where he has no powers just gadgets and all of those gadgets are stuff that you would find in the back of a comic book that you would send away for
1: a hundred percent
0: that is a great joke
1: yeah it's, it's such a good way of building your superhero. Because, like, I definitely knew kids like this who who did have, like... You, you know the genre of kid who, like, just gets every sort of novelty gizmo available. In in our generation, it would have been, like, shit from the Scholastic Book Fair. Yep. But, like, y- y- you knew this kid.
0: Yeah, back back in a time when the... Last four pages of every comic book you bought would just be these mail order garbage.
1: I used to um, get because I would get a lot of like Nancy Drew books from the library, and uh, in all of those like Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys, they would have their ads like in the middle of the book. Like it would just interesting. It would be like partway through the book, there would just be suddenly these glossy panels of like order away for a snowmobile. (laughs) <laughs> and oh yeah, they were always like weirdly uh, like think tools for adults. Um, why
0: why is Bombardier advertising <laughs> in Nancy Drew books?
1: I don't know. Um, and there was there was definitely a time when I was maybe like eleven or twelve where I would be looking in that and I would see the the uh, address for the the place you could order mail away this postcard away to, and I would think, I wonder what would happen if I did that now
0: uh the the, probably the letter would just be sent back probably if you're if you're lucky and if you want to test this absolutely do not send any actual like money order in that no
1: no 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 of course not i just think it would be funny to be like same thing when i was doing like um research for a history professor on like the history of um vaudeville in america and so my job was basically to archive uh variety articles Hmm. so i'd be reading through these like uh, these articles of from Variety from like nineteen fourteen, and I would see these like posts uh, advertising for like this kind of player wanted. Um, there was one where we were like trying to set up a minstrel show, and they would have like an advertise uh, an address that you could like mail uh, your your CV to, and I'd be <laughs> like, what if? Wouldn't it be fucking funny? Cause it's like just this address in New York. Is like I bet that address still exists. Like, wouldn't it be really funny? Wouldn't it be a funny bit? <laughs> just be like, to hey, my address heard,
0: to some stranger in New York.
1: Heard you needed blackface performers.
0: No, 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 no. That would not. No. <laughs> well,
1: that's no, what they were asking for.
0: Look, I know, I know. The acting game can get people pretty desperate.
1: No one is That's that desperate. L-
0: no one is that desperate. At least I, I hope mean, if not. I mean, if I was in your position and I was cataloging all those variety, uh, old issues of variety, I would just be looking for the advertisements for Miracle Cure which are always just like pure uncut cocaine.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or heroin.
0: Or heroin. Or a combination of the two that they call, like, Dr. Johnson's Miracle Cure All. Yeah.
1: It's
0: called Chlorin. called chlorine. That does not sound appetizing. Nope. I would not shoot that into my veins.
1: Well, that's on you.
0: So, another aspect of this plot, as we got into with um, your description as well as the show's description, is that kids need their own form of police. Yep. The adult world has turned its back on the most vulnerable members of its society, and we need some form of authority figure to help protect them and police them. What I'm saying is Captain Flamingo is the thin pink line.
1: Well, I was gonna say, especially in these two episodes, all of the problems are matters of property.
0: It's always, yes, because that is the most, I think, Captain Flamingo as a superhero can handle.
1: Yeah, like, he's, he's not here solving... Your your domestic dispute with your brother, he's here. Oh god. Yeah.
0: No, imagine if like someone shouts out because the way you summon Captain Flamingo is by screaming Uh out, "Uh oh, Flamingo!" Flamingo. Yeah. So imagine like someone comes at and it's like Captain Flamingo appears with one of his novelty items, like "Where is the danger?" and the kid just says, "My dad hits me."
1: Yeah. What What are you gonna do?
0: What now, Milo? (laughs)
1: The most he can do is like fire suction cup arrows at your dad, <laughs> but I feel like that's oh. just going to enrage him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I think the NRA is right. We need to arm children.
1: <laughs> you, heard first... <laughs> you heard it Please here don't first. You heard it here first, folks.
0: Uh, yeah. So, kid superhero. Uh, well, you mentioned that this is all property-based, so what kind of villains and hijinks is Mr. Captain Flamingo getting into this time around? Um,
1: uh, so in our first episode, I could give me my backpack back, Jack. Say that five times fast. Um... No, I don't like it. The, the, pro- the problems are twofold. Number one, uh, Milo's backpack, full of all of his novelty gadgets and gizmos, uh, has gone missing, and then he is called in... To uh, solve a problem of uh, mutant squirrels have overtaken this kid's treehouse.
0: Here's here's where the problem of this kid's like indulgence of comic book media is a is is the issue because his over overactive imagination takes this mundane everyday problem into a comic book style twist, and that's a problem. Like. Yeah, he these is so are, divorced from reality these
1: are not mutant squirrels those are just that's just what squirrels look like in southern ontario <laughs> your squirrels yeah. are huge
0: it's southern it's specifically a problem in southern ontario and Br- british columbia for some reason yeah, massive fucking squirrel. massive
1: fuck off squirrels i had when i when i first came down for school and i think i like yelped when I saw a squirrel on campus, because it's the size of a fucking house cat. And my yeah. the, the people I was with were, like, laughing at me, going, what, have you never seen a squirrel before? It's like, I've never seen a squirrel that's 12 times the size of a normal-ass squirrel.
0: Yeah, the, the correct response there is, have you? That's not a squirrel. <laughs> that's
1: not a fucking squirrel. That's a small dog.
0: Yeah, so the... So completely powerless, Captain Flamingo relies on his. I guess we'll, we'll call it a love interest. Sure. Yeah, Elizabeth and her, girly backpack full of girly things.
1: Like, tape recorders.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. But that it turns strikes out...
1: me. It's got to be that like. It's got to be coming from um a kind of a, a an era where like if you were a small child and you couldn't afford like you're a, you didn't have an allowance so you couldn't like buy CDs you would just sit there with a little tape recorder that you could record your favorite songs on the radio to a cassette.
0: Relatable because I used to have a like a dollar store recorder mm-hmm. device that I I would just use sometimes and what I would do with it is I would uh sit next to the TV and because I watched a lot of television uh-huh. I know I knew when a good joke was coming up from a show I liked so I would just record that and just have that sound bite to use on my friends whenever
1: Oh my god you were doing like vine memes
0: I was Ew <laughs> Oh that explains a lot about where I am Incredible Ugh, But yeah so the the conflict here is that captain fluingo has been called to evict a bunch of squirrels from this kid's Rudker's treehouse which and
1: which the squirrels were there first like the, it's a tree it's it well it's a tree and also like rutger was saying that his dad had told him not to build his treehouse in that tree because there were squirrels living there and then he did it anyway and then got surprised when the squirrels moved in
0: Yeah, if you want a treehouse, you have to deal with the natural world. So, sorry to break it to you, Rudker, but you're in the wrong.
1: Yeah. You colonizing fuck.
0: (laughs) Like, evicting those poor squirrels out of their home. What? Captain Flamingo is a villain.
1: Yeah, of course he is. He's a cop.
0: He is a cop. We support the thin pink line. No,
1: we don't support the thin thin pink line.
0: I know but I, I'm just gonna keep saying that
1: it's i mean it's the only it's the only bit we got I, i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna photoshop the thin blue line <laughs> thing but make it pink and it's like no, you don't understand we have to like Captain Flamingo lays down his life for us every day and we need to respect him mm-hmm. and listen to his laws
1: mm-hmm. uh I think it is funny that this episode that we picked fully at random um does have i think that we accidentally landed on the episode that has the most out staying power outside of um, the show itself, because this oh? this clip of Milo doing a squirrel impression was one hundred percent used advertising the block that this show aired in. Really, because I know I have seen that clip a thousand times.
0: Does he? Is this just one of his secret powers that he uses in multiple episodes?
1: I don't think so. I I think just this specific shot, I'm pretty sure it was being used. It was just like a thing that YTV did, was they would advertise their own blocks. And so, or like either the block itself or some kind of themed period. So like if you're doing like a Halloween block, you're going to take like the clips of a bunch of Halloween episodes from shows that are going to be airing in this Halloween segment.
0: Yeah, totally fair.
1: Or sometimes they would have like completely unrelated clips, and they would clip them together like they're having a conversation with each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. A lost art form, really. Yeah,
1: and I'm a hundred percent sure that this clip of Tabitha Saint Germain going that 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 was used in one of them. <laughs>
0: Uh, we'll talk a bit about it when we get into the animation and uh, design but uh, I love the character animation of Milo as the squirrel
1: well, I love that his stupid little blanket cape turns into a tail
0: it's brilliant it's 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 perfect yeah um, yeah so I, I that's how he, they solve the problem of this mini segment is that after using all of Lisbeth's... Backpack gadgets that she has. Turns out that they were all useful despite uh, Milo writing them off as not his comic book novelty items.
1: Yeah. They're too girly.
0: It all resolves after he tries to think like a squirrel and he becomes their, like, god.
1: Yep. And so then they leave that treehouse to follow their new god.
0: Weird, weird, weird note, at the end of this episode, after they... After they leave the um, treehouse and Rutger is on his own to reclaim it, he just has like a metal shutter door. Mm-hmm. Why was that? Why was that installed?
1: Um, no, he, he really takes no girls' love seriously. Good for him. Oh, one other the one other thing I I need to bring up is that this is like a utopian Toronto where there is a trike lane.
0: Okay, so. The, the neighborhood, Halverston in area, is fictional, mm-hmm. obviously. That's not a real Toronto neighborhood. And you can tell because this type of clean cut suburb fucking does not exist here.
1: No. Absolutely not.
0: Like even within the gated communities of Toronto, nothing looks as clean as this.
1: <laughs> I think the Utopian closest, is the right word. The closest I can think of that I've seen is like Richmond Hill area.
0: Even then, even then, even then, it gets scuzzy.
1: Yeah. This is sort of like romanticizing that, um, that that perfect like fifties neighborhood ideal.
0: Yeah, Hell was in an area is kind of like the community featured in "Don't Worry, Darling." <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> it's exactly like that. Uh, Shoutouts to that movie didn't like it anyway uh, yeah I guess to even make the premise of the show work where a small boy can be a superhero and go unsupervised into his neighborhood for hours on end you have to create a fictional neighborhood in Toronto because otherwise you have a serious problem yeah, there
1: because otherwise you are running the risk of telling real children in I don't know fucking I uh to to just run amok
0: this is this is why this show kind of stands as an argument for the comic book code authority and to keep kids away from comic books because they get too inspired they put on their own uniform and they become a little phoenix jones
1: and then they get hit by a car
0: does anyone remember phoenix jones no phoenix jones was like the quote-unquote, real-life superhero that paroled, I think it was Baltimore?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I've seen this guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, it turns out, like, he... He was a massive problem for the police there and did a lot more harm than good and was also, like, dealing drugs. I believe that. Yeah, yeah, Captain Flamingo is, like, the chaotic good version of Phoenix Jones.
1: (laughs) He's not chaotic!
0: I don't know, those... Those gadgets are pretty wacky.
1: We'll see. Oh my god! Sorry, I just I didn't don't believe I don't know how I didn't notice the the first time. I just saw because the the clips of the show that we're watching are ripped directly from the TV.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, There's a YTV tag in the corner at all times.
1: Yeah. So, but at this point. So this must this was airing in the like I guess 5:30 p.m. time slot. So this must have been cut from like a later release of it, but it's advertising up next Salmon Cat.
0: Yeah, I saw that too.
1: I don't know how I missed that the first time.
0: I I saw the Kid versus Cat um advertisement like Yeah.
1: The, yeah, the that, was the, the bottom, that was that in that was the first one.
0: Yeah. I totally weird tangent, but I love those, I I love when we're watching shows from, uh, that were obviously recorded from television, Mm -hmm. and those are all, like, prominent, and, like, they're nostalgic for me. Yeah, I I
1: love re-watching these old shows, and then, like, having little pop-up in the, at the bottom, in the bottom third, telling you what's up next, or what's up later,
0: and you can pinpoint it to a very specific era for like these networks for like YTV because this is the aesthetic branding of YTV in 2006 like clearly like there's no uh question about it
1: yeah it's that particular era of the logo it's their um I the
0: think, color branding yeah it's, it's the all color there.
1: branding the, the shapes the weird shapiness that they use.
0: Hmm. I I'm always uh, appreciative when we come across something that was recorded from television, and it's all just there, and it's like it takes me back to.
1: I will also say that this television. is this has to be like a re-release from I think 2013. mm Hmm. Given that uh, if Salmon Cat is airing, it has to be somewhere in the mid 2010s.
0: Okay, so I, I'm, I I am not up on my YTV era, no. so this was definitely later branding. Yep. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um. So real quick before we get to the second episode, uh, second segment, let's talk a bit about the look of this show. Uh, Hey! Yes. Why it looked like that? It's, well, it looked like that because this is Flash animation. Mm -hmm. God, love it. And I do. Uh, Yes, we all do. Heavy vector-based drawings of Flash animation, which uh, the Philippine Animation Studio uh, were very very adept at. Mm -hmm. And because of it, you get, like, this comic book inspired, very, very clean graphic style. Like these outlines. They be thick.
1: Love a thick line.
0: Like this is the thickest <laughs> outline show we've covered so far. It's obscene.
1: Yeah. I do think it's really interesting how like um how how these like thick line how they interact with one another there's, like, a mm-hmm. really interesting shot in the in the second segment where, like, one character, where uh, Tabitha, like, grabs Milo by his, uh, his collar, sort of, like, pulls him to her. And so you've got, like, the thick outlines of her and the thick outlines of him and where they meet. So where, like, her character is overlapping with his, the, the thick outer line basically just changes to encompass both of them into a single shape. Mm-hmm. and like her exterior line of her like hair design becomes a thinner interior line
0: right yeah
1: so it's like any time that there that these characters have to merge and overlap they become a single shape
0: it's an interesting choice but because like they don't want to compromise this uh this outline look they have for the characters like because you can even notice it on like little pieces of their clothing and their design like the outline's the thick outlines are woven throughout their entire character design. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it feels like uh, several pieces of a character being placed together. And I do like this era of this very clean kind of flash animation, which you don't get anymore, mm-hmm. where the character models, they stand out very noticeably from the backgrounds.
1: Yeah, they're, they're in two completely different art styles. And I think it works for this.
0: It's like a like, pick up and drop character models into this background setting, and just animate from there. Like, there's no interaction with anything else on screen.
1: mm mm-hmm. Everyone comes with their own props pre-built yeah. into the design. Like, no one is picking up anything off of the ground. Or if they are, it looks, uh, it's, it's done secretly. Like, there's a, a bit in the first one where, like, Squirrel Milo is eating, like, picking up nuts off the ground, because he's pretending to be a squirrel and he kind of just like stands in front of them with his back to the camera and then when he moves (laughs) the nuts are gone nice it's like don't don't worry about it
0: bygone era of flash animation and credit where it's due to the hard workers at the philippine animation studio uh this is some really fluid movement like
1: it's great this is a this is a good looking show
0: like 2006 flash animation it is what it is but the, the this team and they also I believe worked on Atomic Betty like some great movement here mm-hmm. it is like I and I love how like nothing is compromised because of it you get all those thick outlines still you get all that character animation and the color palette is beautiful as well
1: yeah I I love specifically um the the kind of prancing animation when when milo is in full like superhero mode he just like he's half skipping he is just gliding through and then compare it to just the normal ass walk cycles he's just soaring across the screen it looks great
0: oh it's a it's a it's a choice and
1: it's
0: all the better for it yeah
1: i also think it's really interesting like you were, were mentioning the the color palette how he is basically the only existence of the color pink in this universe
0: yeah i did notice that
1: yeah like none of the backgrounds use the color pink no other character has pink in their wardrobe um there's like the closest i think i ever noticed is like a peachy orange in some flowers like, no one is... no There is no other instance of this particular, like, saturated pink.
0: It, it's a great character detail to, like, have that color only associated with this one character. Yeah. I, I, I think it works. I, I think that's a great choice. Uh, good on you for noticing that.
1: I'm sure, like, I mean, this is just from two episodes. I'm sure that the color pink accidentally exists in some other background. Um, but I'm choosing not to believe that
0: one thing i will i guess call it the show out for is you have an opportunity here to really lean into the comic book inspirations for this show uh i wanted panels
1: panels would be great i
0: i, I wanted panels to work as transitions i wanted like that th- that like uh, aesthetic to be woven throughout it because you get a little bit in it of that in the opening mm-hmm. intro not enough. Like I that should just be the the way that we handle transitions in this show. I I I think that would have really nailed home your comic book inspiration much more.
1: Yeah, they ended up um I guess leaning more onto like some B movies
0: or more specifically uh that mixed with the Batman show from the 60s. Yeah
1: so it so it ended up kind of wandering away from the comic book origins
0: just just a missed opportunity it doesn't really like make or break the show um so this second segment um what are we trying to say here about um raising kids
1: uh a couple things one um god God, please please don't overbook them You're, you're creating neuroses you're creating dependency on like activity
0: yeah don't force your child to be a girl boss
1: yeah um the other thing i the the thing i took away from it is uh when you create this kind of kid you're creating like a different flavor of entitlement (laughs) or like milo and elizabeth are just trying to veg out and watch a movie Um, but Tabitha's really just fucking up their whole day constantly by being like, no, you need to help me, uh, find this thing that I lost, because I'm gonna have a fucking panic attack about not knowing what appointments I need to do next.
0: Yeah, so Tabitha is the overachieving, um, neurotic character insert, but again, she is six years old i'm led to believe yeah, and has an electronic calendar like a palm pilot
1: yeah that her and she She even makes a, j- a joke about like oh wow i didn't know my mom or I wish i wish my mom would tell me when she signs me up for things like the, th-
0: this should be the moment where milo uh realizes something it's like oh this is not the actual conflict here like the missing electronic calendar the mother is the issue yeah. here
1: This- Tabitha's mom is a fucking problem. It's- this- this feels to me like Tabitha's mom is probably a girl boss. Um, and Just projecting
0: it onto her daughter. Yeah, yeah.
1: so, like, she- because she's so busy- Also, she's so busy that, like, she can't be bothered to, um, take care of her- her own kid's schedule. She makes that the six-year-old's responsibility. Like, okay, small child, you now have to manage your own, uh, Your uh, calendar that I'm filling.
0: And build a dependency where they can't even function without it. This this child is broken.
1: Yeah. At six years old, she's she's done. She has no choice but to succeed. The moment Tabitha encounters her first instance of failure, which is coming. Uh, I think we as former gifted gifted kids can say, like, oh oh, Tabitha, your moment is coming.
0: God, I I would just like. I would just like to go through Milo's backpack, find a cell phone that just has, like, the one speed dial number to Child Protective Services, (laughs) and that would solve most of the problems he encounters. Yeah. Like, these kids are not being watched.
1: Yep. The fact that Tabitha is able to walk into, like, a high-level, um, banking meeting and deliver a lecture. Like, who's watching this child?
0: Uh, okay. That is I, my favorite
1: joke in the episode though.
0: I, I loved how because she, they set it up where they they stole uh, an actual professional woman's uh, electronic calendar making uh, believing that it's hers. Mm-hmm. and she goes to this high like high banking meeting, this financial meeting of a major company and stumbles her way through the meeting and you think that's the end of the joke. And then it keeps going. And she actually succeeds at the meeting, and everybody enjoys her input. Yeah, like, it's, like
1: sh- the the joke is that she delivers this speech of, that is nothing but like mumbo jumbo. She's just throwing a few like money buzzwords, buzzwords, yeah. words, buzzwords in there, and it works.
0: The, you've seen the Lego Movie, right?
1: Yes. Business, business, business numbers.
0: Yeah, is this working? Yes. Yay.
1: Yeah. Uh, Like a movie stole from Captain Flamingo.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. It's the same joke but done worse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um yeah, again, like the the answer to all of these problems is like you don't need that electronic calendar. You need a parent.
1: Yeah. You need someone in your life who like actually wants to spend time with you and doesn't want to just send you on a goose chase of various activities and classes to fill your hours and you need the space to be a child and they even say like they try to have that moment at the end where they're like hey Tabitha you do not need to be dependent on this on this thing maybe the lesson here is that you need to be a kid and she's like absolutely not." that's the actual not.
0: resolution that's the actual resolution that should have happened but like no she's too far gone
1: yeah she's like absolutely not if I don't have uh places that I need to be I don't know who I am I need responsibilities to function
0: that's this is a darker ending than i think they intended
1: (laughs) i think they meant for it to be silly but it's like oh no this poor child
0: (sighs) same with same with rutgers ending it's like uh so this father told you not to build this treehouse here it's been taken over by squirrels and what did he ask his dad for help and say like well you made your bed you sleep in it
1: yeah this his dad was probably like the kind of dad who'd be like "Mm, you didn't listen to me told you so rutger is never going to confide anything into (laughs) his dad
0: i yeah and i don't care that you're being bitten by wild animals constantly that's your own fault
1: yeah the the basic takeaway from these two episodes is uh rutger will never be able to trust to let anyone in his space ever again and Oh,
0: he, he's fully moving into that treehouse. Yeah,
1: because he, every time he leaves, he's going to be scared that it's going to be t- overtaken by someone else. So, uh, Rutger will never uh, trust anyone to enter his personal bubble ever again. Uh, and Tabitha is t- already too far gone in terms of feeling like she needs to fill her days with responsibilities to feel like a, like a worthy member of society.
0: Yeah, these are two kids that are like lost cousins.
1: And I feel like that's going to accidentally just be a continuing theme.
0: Milo himself is
1: also a lost cause. Like, he's too far down the comic book rabbit hole.
0: This is a cautionary tale, yes. Like, I feel like these kids will be, like, Tabitha and Rutger will be in their, like, late 20s and still shouting, "Uh uh-oh, Flamingo, hoping someone comes by. But Milo has been dead for years because he tried to, I don't know, stop a liquor store robbery. Sorry, am I fan fictioning again? I don't mean yeah, to do that. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: you are. Uh, quick, quick shout out to the movie that Milo and Elizabeth are trying to watch: mm-hmm. "Attack of the Common Houseplants." Yep. I love a uh, great fake B movie title. I, lo- I, I that they... is,
1: that is, it's it's a a gag that never goes badly for me.
0: It's it's always charming. Yeah. Like,
1: uh, future. Sorry to break, future but... episode being Ian. Is going to be very hard to pick one episode because all of the fake movies are perfect.
0: Who was the uh, horror director that Ian loved so much? Wolfgang something.
1: Oh fuck! I don't know. We'll get we'll get to it when we get there.
0: Like the distance between watching that show and being an adult, and you know, getting an education in cinema. <laughs> I, I now want to go back and, like, okay, what director was that supposed to be? is it Was it Rainer Werner Fassbender? It was probably Rainer Werner Fassbender. We'll, we'll find out. Okay, uh, real quick, real quick. This cast.
1: This cast. So, uh, like I alluded to before, as Milo, Milo Powell, we've got the one and only Tabitha St. Germain doing her her small boy voice. She's really good, good at it.
0: Yeah, uh, it has never disappointed, and here it is no difference. Like, it's, it's a little boy voice that can absolutely hold down an entire show because it never gets grating.
1: Yeah, she's she is Which is nailed. hard to do. Yeah, she has honed her craft of sounding like a young boy. Tabitha St. Germain and Nancy Cartwright really have the the genre of voice act on, on lock.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Um, then as his sidekick slash love interest, Lisbeth um do we actually do we want to I know I know how, you mentioned before how much you hate this kind of character uh-huh um of like small little little girl whose whole deal is that she's just in in love with uh male main character
0: head over heel head over heels devoted to main character who is entirely oblivious
1: I was gonna say that this I think that this character is probably written to like for the adults because this feels like exactly the kind of character that parents think of when they're like, oh, he's pulling your pigtails because he has a crush on you. Like, adults yeah. are always just weirdly invested in the love lives of toddlers. Yeah, stop. Yeah. And I think that that's the kind of attitude that creates this character.
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess. If, like, the entire show is kind of this big parody of superhero comics like nothing's supposed to be taken seriously so yeah maybe
1: yeah you, you need to have your your uh mj or lois lane yeah uh,
0: okay okay yeah,
1: yeah. um but she's, now i see it she's voiced by uh melanie Tonello.
0: great who, great performance
1: we did hear uh previously in spider riders as princess sparkle ever so briefly so it's it's nice to, to hear like a f- actual full performance from her
0: mm okay yeah she's she has chops yeah. she doesn't do oh she doesn't do a lot of voice acting afterwards but
1: no no she did not this is just like a brief period for her as a as a youth um yeah
0: as as a kid and it uh it comes across like yeah. but unlike most other uh child actors given voice roles next to like say G- Saint Germain yeah uh she handles herself well
1: um, so for our, our bit roles in each of the episode as Rutger, we've got Demetrius uh, Joyette, who is weirdly um, his name is misspelled in the credits. They, hmm. He's credited as D- Demetrius Joyetter.
0: Huh. There's just really?
1: an R at the end of his name in the credits for this episode, and I cannot find any other instance of his name being spelt as a Joyetter.
0: Ah, oh, sorry, dude.
1: So that's just like, especially weird. Um, he he doesn't also he also has hasn't done a lot of voice acting. He's done a lot of live action stuff. Um, he had a run. Well, on, he was
0: a big player on the De cross the grassy right. Yeah,
1: as Mike Dallas. Uh, he was also one of the main characters in the, uh, Roxy Hunter film franchise.
0: Yeah, fucking nope. Yeah. No, no nope.
1: Um, and real quick, he was in one of the big two.
0: shit first one of 2024
1: um da vinci it was murdoch
0: god what the hell (laughs) so so the thing about um demetrius here uh another example of a very young actor
1: yeah he's he's been acting since he was eight and i want to say he was like
0: 12 or 13. Yeah, so... The the, the the thing about Captain Flamingo is that there's this roca- rotating cast of little kids that Captain Flamingo helps. Like, they all have their own little episode. Uh, they're all, like, superfluous to Elizabeth and Milo themselves. Yeah, like, some of they, them
1: come back. Like, both uh, Rutger and Tabitha have other episodes.
0: They're just part of the cast. Like yeah. They always come back and forth like to have problems. And... Um, I think they're all. I'm pretty sure they're all just voiced by like actual children. Yeah,
1: it would have just been like, okay, what what child actors do we have in the studio today?
0: Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that, that's how that worked. Um, I think it's I think it's better for it. I I think um, I I'm usually against having in your voice cast actual children because. Nine times out of ten, they do not have voice acting talent.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, in this case, but, everyone does a solid job.
0: And I think it adds, like, a weird level of legitimacy to this premise. mm mm-hmm. uh, th- this, this character being the uh, Batman for little kids, it helps that there's actual little kid voices who are looking up to him.
1: Yeah, it makes sense, especially then when you've got Tabitha as your one adult in the cast...
0: The actual, like, trained professional actor. Yeah,
1: so, like, she can carry a whole show on her own. So even if the kids are giving a lackluster performance, it's fine. Tabitha's got this. But it also kind of... She can kinda, sound like
0: the one in control.
1: It also kind of makes sense, then, to have, like, these actors who might look up to her in, in some capacity. Yeah. To, like, uh, to be acting against this character that they are supposed to rely on. True. Um, we got Rebecca Brenner as Tabitha in the second half. Uh, her only other like big voice acting role is uh, in future episode Rolly Polioli.
0: We want to call that a future one, huh?
1: They're all future episodes. I know you is said that, you is... vetoed Cleo the Misfit Unicorn, um, but I'm vetoing your veto. We're getting to that.
0: No, is Rolly Polioli the one with Michael Sarah in it? Is that one of his is... big?
1: I don't think so.
0: There's a prominent actor who has like the main role in that. I, I, I think it's Rolly Poly. Oh,
1: it is Michael Sarah. There
0: we go. He's, okay, he's,
1: he's the dad.
0: He's the. Okay. <laughs> what?
1: He's he, he's Gizmo. Looks like an Elvis impersonator.
0: Okay, so by that time, like, what, he was, Maybe like, no. 13 years old and everything, saying to him, like, oh, you're already over the hill. Okay, I
1: don't, only, I don't only think adult that's role the three. actual dad. I think that,
0: okay. But he
1: is an adult.
0: That is an adult man. I feel like that's what the, what people have been saying to Michael Sarah, his entire life. No, that's an adult man.
1: <laughs> I swear, I swear that's an adult!
0: No, he doesn't have to take out his driver's license at the LCBO. He's an adult.
1: Yeah. Um... And before before we get to our, our favorite member of this cast, I do also have to shout out Len Carlson. He uh, does both the squirrels and the mercenary gardener in the second. <laughs> uh, so he he, he basically he does
0: the squirrels.
1: Yeah, he it sounds like he's kind of just their fill in voice where he he does everything else. Um, he's he's the legacy cast member here.
0: Well, no, the narrator is, but well, yeah.
1: I mean, no, this is, this is Burt Raccoon. Len Carlson is the legacy get for this show.
0: I, I guess so, but there, there, there are a lot of names on this list. Yeah. It's because Atomic Cartoons was kind of huge at the time. Um, so you're, when we actually end up doing Atomic Batty, there'll be a lot of bleed over between these two casts, I bet.
1: Oh, 100%. I assumed that this was, like, an era where a lot of the cast is just living in the studio.
0: And, uh, we didn't mention it, but, uh, the show was developed by one of the ma- the main guy behind the raccoons, Kevin Gillis. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, who also worked on Atomic Betty and producing Parker.
1: <sighs> I, was, I, was, I was doing so well at forgetting that show. I won't let you. I know, and it's very hurtful.
0: Anyway, anyway.
1: Uh, anyway... Uh, MVP. The MVP, the standout member of this cast is Peter Kelligan as the announcer.
0: What a great classic movie serial narrator voice.
1: It's so good. He's so good at doing like the that that sort of like from the from the gut bombast.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like when they originally hired him they just wanted him to do the intros to every episode but after they heard his performance they, they like, tacked on cuz be-
1: they were like no no yeah, no no but- we we need to add to this we need more things for him to say
0: like cuz before every um before every commercial break the narrator like butts in and just tells all the characters to wait a moment we'll get back to this
1: yeah and they always kind it's- of acknowledge this voice in the sky I love a narrator who gets involved.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 always funny. Like,
1: I, I love I love yeah. this narrator. I love the narrator from Into the Woods who like actively becomes a character in the story at some point against his will. Um, mm-hmm. I I love I love when a narrator exists.
0: Yeah, uh, and he does as we've been saying a great job. Like he gets the. Uh, he he gets a source of inspiration and really plays it up. Like he is the campiest aspect of this entire show. Yeah,
1: I I, I think the show would be a lot worse without him.
0: No, absolutely. Um, you know what he reminded me of? Mm. Okay, this is going way way back. the The Mondo Media Flash Empire. They're the they're the people behind um, Happy Tree Friends, uh, Dick Figures. Okay, yeah. Like massive. Uh, company in the post com boom where we were all thinking like, oh no, web Webtoons, that's the future. Um, there was a show that they put out called Dr. Tran. Okay. And the whole joke there is Dr. Tran is like a five-year-old living in Vietnam and he's just constantly badgered by this overzealous uh, movie narrator okay. who's trying to like project this jet setting movie star life onto him and Dr. Tran's not having any of it probably does not hold up by today's standards but it's the same kind of really going for it narrator voice.
1: Yeah, okay. And I love it here.
0: Yeah, It it's perfect. Perfect for this show. Uh, Thank you, Peter Callagher, for your work. P- Callaghan, for your yeah. work.
1: It's, oh my god. I, I would watch, I wish someone would just make like a, a clip compilation a supercut i just want a supercut of just the announcer from this show because i don't want to watch any more of this show because it is a show for babies but the announcer is, is just so delightful that I, it, it's
0: something to grab onto yeah. from this show it's like yeah that, that this is what was keeping me engaged yeah. knowing that like oh yeah just right around the corner we've got a commercial break and i can hear peter again
1: yeah <laughs> peter save me
0: yeah, Peter save me. Um, so I, I guess that is our final word on Captain Flamingo. I mean, totally fine for this age bracket. Uh, there's a lot more to talk about than I was assuming, but otherwise, eh, you could do worse.
1: Um, the, the only other thing I want to touch on is the, um, because this is, you know, 2006, so this is sitting perfectly in that era of, like, every TV show we make has a website. Yes. Um so there was a flash game called Uh uh-oh flamingo that uh okay there's uh there's this one person on reddit who like basically is committed to trying to find as much of the uh captain flamingo website as possible um the first godspeed sir yeah honestly good for them i hope they have some success um the first first part of the first mission of the game uh, is playable via the Flashpoint database. Everything else, <sighs> along with, apparently, there were a few um, shorts animated and produced, like, exclusively for online, as online content. and
0: The benefit of working in Flash.
1: Yeah, um, but unfortunately, because it is Flash, those are now presently lost media.
0: They are lost media, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, Godspeed to the biggest fan of Captain Flamingo, good luck in your search.
0: And just to put this all into perspective, uh, Captain Flamingo and this kind of superhero media, uh, this premiered in 2006, uh, the death of superhero media, 2008, the release <laughs> of Iron Man. Yeah. Two years later.
1: Captain Flamingo ahead of its time.
0: Like, we no, we had no idea, like, how good, quote-unquote, good we had it, because post-2008, it's all just Marvel. Yep,
1: yeah, The idea of campy superhero fun is dead.
0: Like, you sometimes forget how early that movie was released. Because we've, we've been under the thumb of Marvel for so long, you forget, like, yeah, it was only in 2008 mm-hmm. when that whole thing kicked off.
1: Yep. Well, I think be- because it never, like, it, it wasn't truly a phenomenon until, like, 2012.
0: Yeah, after when the Avengers yeah, kind of like it was, quote, it was unquote, a happened.
1: it was a successful deal before then. But it wasn't like a oh shit, this is like our lives now.
0: I, I think after the release of that first Iron Man film, which I I maintain still one of the better Marvel movies. It's funny. Like I'm not shit. I'm not shit talking that movie at all. But the the I think at that point, when that movie was released i think the writing was on the walls for people when we're just thinking now like okay so the era of like that 2004 punisher movie the era of the blade movies like no this doesn't fly anymore Mm -hmm. we can't it all has to be under supervision of the studio of marvel comics like we can't we don't have that freedom anymore it was a cultural shift and we were all the worse for it yep
1: uh, speaking of being the worse for something, can I tell you about the fanfiction? Ooh, okay. There's one. Okay. There's one, um, and it was made with ChatGPT.
0: Are you fucking serious?
1: Yeah, that's they, they literally put that in the tag. They were just, hey, I was bored, so I made a Captain Flamingo, uh, x League of Super Evil crossover
0: future episode on this podcast League of Super Evil uh stay bored
1: yeah honestly stay bored god there's
0: so many more things you could be doing with your time not even like worthwhile things but like there are better ways to waste your time than fucking with chat uh oh god who's that um I'm I'm blanking on his name but like the web comic artist slash comedian who does uh like Mr. Boop that series
1: I have no idea
0: I, I don't know who he is uh I don't know him from anybody, but he's, like, a really famous kind of, like, online comedian. Mm-hmm. And he did one serious post, which I really agree with. It's, like, n- even for a joke, stop using AI-generated things for images and storylines. It's so to fucking
1: stop. bad for the environment.
0: There, there's no point. Like, yeah. literally, there's no point. Even for a joke, it's, like, there's so many better ways to use your time on this earth. Yeah. I don't, I don't care how good your joke is or how funny your prompt is, just stop.
1: Because, and, like, the, the other thing, too, is, like, I know because a lot of people have been coming up with it, like, oh, but, I, but it would be, like, funny to see, uh, like, Spongebob dunking on Frieza, like, within a basketball hoop, and I can't draw. And it's like, I don't think you realize how much funnier your stick drawing on a post-it note of Spongebob dunking a basketball on Frieza Dragon Ball Z how much funnier that would be because you're not an artist.
0: Yeah, and to to actual artists and writers who are like using those who are using those things for a point, like who are like delving into ChatGPT to like, I'll write a script for my very successful television show using ChatGPT to show everybody how stupid it is. Don't even bother. Yeah, don't do it. Looking at you creators of South Park who absolutely did that for an episode.
1: Yeah, it's it's not funny. You're you're literally just feeding into the machine of your own destruction.
0: Yeah, cuz every time you engage with it, it gets worse. Yeah.
1: It learns. Like the whole thing about, "Oh, we used to be able to tell obviously because it's really bad at drawing fingers, and now it's getting better at drawing fingers." So like, stop feeding it.
0: I know I know so many people in the teaching field who not necessarily scrambling because they can still tell but now they have to worry about the current technology and services and apps that like detect user-generated uh essays and stuff mm-hmm. how rapidly out of date it's getting because the chat gpt and other programs like it are improving so rapidly
1: Yeah, again because people are feeding them
0: it keeps getting more difficult so please stop Put in some effort.
1: Yeah, just pick up a hobby.
0: Like, learn to draw. If it's too hard, okay, learn to write. If it's too hard, find something else. Right. You don't have to... See, like, cur-
1: the idea of your of your League of Super Evil uh, crossover with Captain Flamingo fanfic would have been better if you wrote it yourself.
0: Yeah, there there are no barriers for, like, entry that revolve around quality for fanfiction. Yeah, it's,
1: that's the best thing about fanfiction.
0: It's fiction produced by fans. It, it doesn't have to be good. A lot of the times it's not.
1: It's usually not, but as long as you're writing it for you, people will see that.
0: Yeah. Well-
1: Wasn't expecting that to come on the end of our Captain Flamingo episode, but here we are.
0: No, I mean, we've we've been dancing around the darker aspects of Captain Flamingo. It turns out that they're actualized, and thank you once again, AI. You are plaguing this show further. Apologies for the quality of my audio from the last episode. Uh, That was an AI tool that I did not realize was turned on.
1: (laughs) AI used against our will.
0: Always. It's, It's obnoxious. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Cartoon Night in Canada. If you like what you heard, please consider giving us a like, share, review, and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Preferably, Apple Podcasts, because that helps us reach the widest possible audience. You can find the show on Twitter, at Cartoon Night Pod, where we post episodes every Saturday. Except
1: when we don't.
0: Except when we don't. You can find myself on Twitter, at Cinema Creep, where I will be holding the thin pink line for all of my followers.
1: Uh, And you can find me at Sylvie Skeletons, where I will uh, rage against AI-created fanfiction and fan art for as long as humanly possible.
0: It is a scourge that needs to be eradicated.
1: God. I, I, I'm on, because I'm on, like, the Titanic subreddit, and the amount of people who keep trying to put in, like, AI fan art of, like, stained glass Titanic, it's, it is, it is, everywhere and it's so it looks bad every single time and i don't know why they keep trying it's like it's a boat you can learn how to draw a boat my brother was doing it when he was like four years old
0: (laughs) yeah that's the other tragic thing it all just comes from laziness but the the real thing that i'm so glad that it still holds is that there still has not been even as many years as we've been dealing with this technology a good piece of AI-generated fiction or art?
1: Yeah, they're all not bad. one. It is all garbage, and it always will be.
0: And even if you can tell, or if you even if you can't tell that it was generated using artificial intelligence, it's always bad. And it always like will aesthetically, prose-wise, always bad. Yeah.
1: Goodbye. Bye.